Live tonight, Friday, February 23rd, on 92.5 WLSD, The Vault. And we're going to be diving into a, uh, it's crazy, but a 20-year-old movie, Napoleon Dynamite. So thank you, though, for tuning in for another edition and episode of Real Talk. As always, please go to all of our social media pages. That is the Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, The Other People Show. And this is a very fitting uh, opening song to the show. At is... At is uh, it's the opening credit song to Napoleon Dynamite. A little gem of a movie that was released in 2004, 20 years ago. That's crazy to think about. Like, I knew it in my mind, but when thinking back, I'm like, wow, that, that's been a quick yet long 20 years crazy how time goes by quickly but napoleon dynamite is about a socially awkward 16 year old boy well teen from preston idaho who lives with his grandmother his even more awkward older brother kip and napoleon daydreams his way through school reluctantly dealing with various bullies who torment him throughout the day um you know, I guess that summary would be would encapsulate uh, Napoleon Dynamite if you're trying to, you know, explain it for a show, trying to uh, wrap up the synopsis in a quick uh, a few sentences. But Napoleon Dynamite is a little bit more than what you would, you know, initially think. Uh, I hadn't seen Napoleon Dynamite in quite some time. Watched it actually just a couple of hours ago. Again, I mean, I've seen it in the past. You know, I actually saw this in the movie theater when it came out. Uh, you know, I used to go visit the uh, the Abingdon Cinema uh, in Tinseltown and, and places like that. And even uh, the 6th and uh, East Street Cinema when I was up in D.C. And they would show these little art house or little independent movies. And Napoleon Dynamite was one of those that I had read about in Entertainment Weekly which uh, was a magazine that came out weekly. And even to this day, a lot of the movie knowledge that I know was from initially sitting down in my grandmother's living room at her big desk, and I was flipping through the Entertainment Weekly magazine. Um, and it was a magazine that did come out weekly, and I'd first heard about Napoleon Dynamite in, uh, in that magazine. So... Fast forward now 20 years, and Napoleon Dynamite is a cult classic. Although, upon release, it was a very, uh, it was a, a financial success. So, let's get on with the director. It's directed by Jared Hess. And Jared Hess has went on to uh, 
direct a few other things. The most notable things would be uh, Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre with Jack Black, and that was in 2006. Gentleman Broncos in 2009, and that's a little underrated um, comedy from, from Jared Hess. And the 2016 Zach Galifianakis movie, and Christine Wig, uh, or We, I think I can't I think her name's Wig, um, Masterminds. When I went to California, when I was out there back in 2015, uh, I was there for a, a couple of months, and the Masterminds poster was plastered everywhere in West Hollywood, which is where I primarily, West Hollywood and Long Beach is where I was kind of uh, in between there. And, you know, I thought this was going to be a big movie. It came out, it went, uh, and it turned also itself into a cult classic. But I've never seen it. Although, uh, Zach Galifianakis has a, like a, a bowl haircut. And, side note, Asterix is back, uh, I guess back maybe in 2005, 2006. My friend and I, uh... We were up in D.C. and we saw a rising comic. Uh, I, I don't want to say that he did stand up because if you've ever watched Zach Galifianakis's performance and things that he did, it wasn't anything that I would actually say is stand up. Uh, it's more of like uh, you know odd or funny anecdotes mixed with uh, illustrations. And piano music songs such as such as that. But we happened to see Zach Galifianakis at uh, I think Washington University in downtown uh, Washington D.C. And we got on an elevator. Well, actually, we were waiting on an elevator that just happened to have Zach Galifianakis. The doors happened to close. We saw him for maybe two seconds, and then it went down. That was our chance to uh, meet Zach and get a picture. Although, if we would have got a picture, you know, back then, 2005, it might have been 2006. I think it actually was the winter of 2005, maybe 2006. The, the quality wouldn't have been that good. Like, at that point, that would have been probably one of the best cameras, maybe three or four megapixel. I can't recall exactly like a little flip phone that we had. But now looking back, if you go back and you look at some of the pictures that you have from that time with the phone, they're, they're very distorted and, um, you know, pixelated. And the quality is not that great unless they're shrunken down smaller, not their original size. I think so. So the cast in this movie, you've got John Heater as Napoleon, Efren Ramirez as Pedro, Tina Marajahino as uh, Deb, Aaron Ruel, Ruel as Kip, John Grice as Uncle Reno, not Reno, Uncle Rico, <laughs> excuse me. What caught me on, on the list here is that it's listed on, on my prep sheet as John Grice as Rico Dynamite. And I never had really thought of Uncle Rico's last name being Dynamite. So therefore, it distracted me. And I said, Uncle Reno, but it's Uncle Rico. Haley Duff. Hillary Duff's sister as Summer. Chandrella 
is uh, uh, Avery as LaFonda. Sandy Martin as Grandma. And Diedrich Batter as Rex, who owns the the dojo. So, uh, and he has those, he's got the, uh, he's got the hammer pants on, but they're, they're like American, uh, flag. They're all like American flag printed as is his headband. He's got a headband. He's got the goggles kind of, he's got like the, the hammer pants. And I, I can't remember what his shirt is right off. It eludes me. I can't really recall, but you've got a cast of characters there and a cast of character actors. Uh, I guess the biggest star of this time would have been, uh, I mean, Diedrich Batter. He was on uh, the Drew Carey show. He was on there for a while. That's probably he played Jed Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies movie, who also starred Ernest, uh, Jim Varney, uh, and that's probably what I knew him from the most. Those two things, and then you've got Tina. Majorino as Deb, and she was probably up until that point at big in the biggest movie of all time. She was the small girl, uh, Anola in Waterworld, and she's the one with the map. Well, the sp supposed map on her back that uh, the Deacon and the Mariner are trying to find, or trying to, I guess the Deacon's trying to find her. The Mariner has her. That's for another show, Waterworld. Which we actually, uh, Jake and I covered that a couple of years back. So let's get into a few little facts about uh, Napoleon Dynamite. We've got John Heater, who plays Napoleon, drew all of the drawings in the movie on, that shows on screen except for the unicorn. Another little fact about John Heater that he was only paid $1,000 to play Napoleon Dynamite. The movie made over $44 million in the United States. He was play, paid 1000 But I'm sure within residuals and the contracts and all that afterwards, he was paid uh, quite a sum. And if he really had signed on uh, and got some kind of back-end deal dealing with the uh you know the t-shirts you know vote pedro all the napoleon dynamite merchandise um and even to this day you still see people around wearing vote pedro or you know some people there there's uh, uh someone that i see on a semi-regular basis out and about and they look like an adult ver what what i would imagine adult version of napoleon look like I see this person fairly regular, and I always think of that uh, Napoleon Dynamite. So the scene of the farmer shooting the cow in the front of the school bus full of children is a true anecdote from director Jared Hess's childhood. So if you do recall, in one of the scenes, a school bus is pulling up, letting one of the students out, right as the farmer is shooting the cow and... We know how that scene goes. But that was inspired because it actually happened to the director. Which, you know, a lot of these smaller films, and even larger ones to a certain extent, but especially the smaller films that, you know, might not start off huge, they there's a lot of personal uh, touches that go into these things. 
and there's very much in many, many others, you know, at least four or five that I can think of right off where things that are in this film were inspired by real life. Virginia running being one of them. Uh, one of the characters in that movie comes back. She's talking to, with her sister about this story from her childhood where, you know, her mother and dad were fighting all the time. She was scared. They were throwing things and, and cussing and, and, you know, a verbal spar and, and yelling. For, and then the young girl ran next door, frightened, scared. And the neighbor tried to comfort her in giving her this little Benji. Remember the dog Benji? A little Benji doll. Or a little stuffed animal, I guess you could say. Complete with the golden medallion around Benji's neck. So there's a lot of things, and that was incorporated into that film. And the same with Jared Hess as incorporating the um, <laughs> the shooting the cow in front of the, the school bus. Um, the film was shot in a quick 22 days. That's not really an uncommon thing. If you go back and you read on IMDb or look up independent cinema that a lot of these art house or small scale cinema movies, they're shot quickly. And the reason being is because a lot of these people, when they're, sh when the movies are shot, they have other jobs as is, uh, did John heater and John Hesh, uh, Hess, they were doing other jobs, but they were also college students, uh, at the time as well. And they had made a short film with this character, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, although that wasn't the original name of the character, but I wish I could remember. That should have been one of the uh, the facts that I give out, but I, I can't recall. So every dish that is shown during the opening credits is eaten by a character later in the movie. So the dishes presented in the opening credits were the work of three people who present them. So all those opening credits, which they, they made the credits... The way that they did, John Heater was the one initially placing the plate or the, the tin or whatever the, the dish would be on screen uh, was originally the only, quote, hand model on screen. However, some of the executives watched it, and although they did like the dishes uh, being presented in the opening credits, they didn't like the fact that apparently in a couple of the, the hand scenes, the John Heater had uh, hangnails or dirty fingernails. So that's why if you go back and you watch the opening credits when they're presenting these dishes and plates on screen, that they're three different hands. And all are not the same skin tone. But later in the film, all characters eat these, eat these dishes that you see in the opening credits. So I really didn't know that until I was doing some research for the film. I went back and watched it earlier today, and I did notice that as well. So that's kind of a nice little touch. Um, it doesn't really mean anything, but it is a nice little you know, sprinkle that adds to the flavor of the film. So there's a, there's a scene, and I'd forgotten uh, about this. This used to be shown in the, in the movie trailer, I think, and I'm sure it's memes and stuff as well, is when Pedro, uh, Napoleon is riding Pedro's bike, and uh, Pedro was on the pegs on the back. Uncle Rico is with Kip sitting on the stoop or the step, and they're eating steak because, as you know, that's all Rico does. Uncle Rico does is eat their steak, 
and, and tell these uh, hor- horrendous tales about Napoleon. But Uncle Rico says, watch this, Kip. Picks up, gets up, stands up, and throws the stake and hits Napoleon right in, right inside the head and knocked him kind of all off the bike. And uh, Napoleon's reaction and his, his tone is, is one thing that stands out and make this, you know, make this film a, uh, help make this film a cult classic that it is. But that scene where Uncle Rico hits Napoleon in the face took four different takes. So I guess Uncle Rico in real life was not as uh, grandiose at football as his character plays in the film. And it's weird, I can't remember what it was now. And it seems like it was an 80s or 90s movie, film. But Uncle Rico was in it. But it was pre-Napoleon Dynamite. And uh, it was a serious role. But he was kind of like, you know, he was probably... I don't even really know if he was an actual lead character. I know he wasn't a lead, but if he was like, you know, just a cast member... Like 6th, 7th, 8th down the list. But he was on there. So Napoleon Dynamite cost, in uh, movie terms, a meager low budget of $400,000. It made $44.5 million in the United States and only about uh, a couple, like a million more overseas. So it made about $46 million. And if you know anything about the international movie market, this is not a film that really any, anyone outside of uh, America, maybe Canada, would really truly um, grasp onto as, um, as a majority. And that went to show with, with the box office. However, this movie, even with the uh, sprucing it up and everything, didn't even cost half a million so almost all this movie was a profit and one of the biggest independent movies of 2004. It's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 72%, audience score of 74%, and an IMDb score of 7.0. Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know I'm trained to become a cage fighter. It's way, Kip. You have the worst reflexes of all time. Now, some of the dialogue that they're that they're speaking of, and some of the some of the words, and some of the conversation, it's just so random, and so dry, and so uh, ridiculous that you can't help but really laugh. Now, here is Uncle Rico's theme. And that's one of the things I like about Napoleon Dynamite is that, you know, if it if it weren't for the title cards at the beginning of the screen, at the beginning of the opening credits, you might actually think that this movie were to take place in the 80s. But it's also, um, you know, it took place at the present time at the time, which was 2004. But I think it does this because it shows like they're in a small town in what Idaho that in the small town, you know, a lot of small town folk can relate because a lot of the things are maybe a few years behind. It could be the fashion. Now, not so much now in these current times as where we have, you know, we're plugged into the Internet 
all the time. So we can get anything we want at any particular time in the blink of an eye. But back in 2004, that wasn't the case just yet. You know, the internet was available. You were able to get on there online. But, you know, MySpace was still around. Facebook was just for college students at this point. And, you know, I think Apple Music and things like that, iTunes, were still relatively new. So... You didn't really know if you missed or didn't pay attention to Napoleon's idea at the very beginning that this would take place in 2004. So the plot in the story is pretty straightforward. Napoleon is an awkward 16-year-old, as is his family. They're just kind of some awkward nerds that, you know, talk about interesting things that, you know, they have a, a llama named, named Tina that they feed. You know, Napoleon, uh, his grandmother gets uh, hurt in the sand dunes meeting, meeting her boyfriend that he didn't even know that she had. So his grandmother calls, <coughs> excuse me, Uncle Rico to come back and kind of house sit while she uh, is away. So while Uncle Rico is there, he does nothing but really come up with kind of... Uh, He's like a snake oil salesman. You know, he looks like he should be selling used cars from 1978. He's got that mustache. He's got the hair. He's got the look, the demeanor. And he's always a little sneaky, only really out for himself and to try to make money. He's living in 1982. If only, if only I could have thrown that pass. If, I would, if the coach would have put me in, I would have been able to throw that pass if I would have been able to throw that pass, I could have got into college and I would be playing for the pros right now and living in a big mansion. And that's what Uncle Rico constantly talks about. He's even video recorded himself on a VHS tape um, throwing a football out in the, uh, I guess, where he has his uh, you know, RV. Or it's a little van actually parked. So he's just hiking the ball throwing it to him, uh, you know, past the camera. And this is what Kip and Napoleon are uh, subjected to watch at one time or another. So the plot kind of goes through that. You kind of go through the kind of uh, a few days or weeks of Napoleon. He meets Pedro, a new student who uh, doesn't really speak a lot of English, and they become friends. Napoleon doesn't really have a lot of friends, but he does possess a lot of skills or skills that he at least uh, says that he possesses, like nunchuck skills, drawing skills, drum skills, you know, uh, rollerblade skills, bow staff skills, these kinds of things. And Napoleon does exaggerate or actually just come out and lie on many, many occasions as well. But that that adds to the fun of the character because typically if you go back and watch, Anytime that Napoleon exaggerates something that he says, like when the jocks are asking him what he did last summer, uh, this past summer, and he responds with something like, he was hunting uh, wolverines in Alaska, and they ask, did you kill any? He says, yeah, I killed like 50 of them. So the next scene, it's a jump cut scene to Napoleon getting a noogie by one of those jocks. But whenever Napoleon is caring and tells the truth, it'll cut to something where something good or positive has happened to Napoleon. 
And I didn't really realize that until this past uh, viewing of Napoleon Dynamite. Like I said, this is probably, I would say, you know, probably the sixth, probably sixth time I've seen Napoleon Dynamite. I always did enjoy it, but it was never like a favorite uh, like I, that I loved. But I did always, you know, enjoy it uh, quite a bit. So the characters, you know, I would say the very, the characters are very unique. You've got Napoleon, Pedro, Deb, Kip, Uncle Rico, Summer, LaFonda, and Sensei Rex. That's pretty much the basic characters that you have in Napoleon Dynamite. And I'd say this is an odd, eclectic group of characters. And I really do think that these are the characters these people were born to play. Each character is very unique. Each is dry. And they're so dry that they take everything extremely serious. And I do think that this cast is one of the... It was cast perfectly. You know, I think for the most part I would be able to cast movies fairly well. And giving what I see with these cast of characters... There's no one that should be replaced. There's no weak actor or actress in this cast. And they all do a superb uh, job. Uh, the standouts, you know, I don't know. Obviously, Napoleon is a standout character. Uh, Deb, they're, they're all, I would say Napoleon and Uncle Rico and Kip are probably the most standout characters. But they're the most character, they're the characters with the most quirks about them. Um, everyone else, you know, they're, they may be an odd character, but you know, their quirks don't outweigh, uh, the normalcy like some of these others do. So, uh, it's a strong cast. So you've got, uh, least favorite or favorite scene. Now, this is always a tough one for me, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, there's so many small moments with Napoleon that uh, it's just some of the his his line delivery. Gosh, like even any you know, even when he's out going out and feeding Tina to begin with. I mean, there's no reason for him to be on defense about going out and feeding Tina, but he does. So I like you know I like the scene where he asked for Pedro's uh, tater tots. He puts the tots in his little pouch and so he can enjoy a little bit later uh, in a snack during class. And then, uh, you know, as that's going on, uh, one, of, one of the bullies actually wants a tot. Napoleon doesn't give him a tot. And then the bully kicks Napoleon's leg where the tots happen to be and the tots are smushed. Um... That's a good one. When Napoleon is trying on the time machine, the quote time machine that Uncle Rico purchases online, that's a good one. Um, and I think a lot of those smaller little moments with just Napoleon's mannerisms or saying things outweigh a, uh, the dance scene at the end. I've never been a big fan of a big finale of like a dance-off or something like that at the end. That's just me personally. I'm not saying it brings the film down because you have to have some kind of grandiose conclusion. But I like a lot of the little smaller touches that kind of build up and 
sprinkle the Napoleon Dynamite world rather than, like, for example, you know, we first meet Napoleon. Uh, he's getting on a bus, but if you notice, everyone on the bus is a young kid. Napoleon is the only teenager on the bus. He sits in the back. A kid asks him the question. You know, he, he Napoleon says whatever he does say. And then he gets this He-Man action figure uh, wrapped in, uh, I think, fishing wire and just throws it out the window and drags it down the road in the school bus. Why? Exactly. So these little touches, you know, and quirks are what paints the world. And those are some of the scenes that I like the most. Some of the Uncle Rico. There was a scene where Uncle Rico, he's sitting on the, on the steps talking to uh, Kip, I think about being able to throw the uh, the pig, pigskin half a mile or over the mountains. But as he's talking about going back to 82, there's a moment, there's a glimmer in Uncle Rico's eye where you know that he knows that he's a failure. And it's pitiful for just a moment. Uncle Rico. <laughs> uh, the score in the music, you know, you've got... Uh, you know, we've been sprinkling it a little bit throughout the the movie, or I mean the show. And, uh, you know, I think it works well. They've got some 80s tracks. You've got some Backstreet Boys. You've got some Jamiroquai. So, you know, it's really kind of a, a meld, a melody of these kind of uh, bands and songs. But a lot of 80s kind of inspired wardrobe kip as well napoleon well all of them to be honest with you and the soundtrack is you know this is kind of like the quan boogie well that was just briefly the quan boogie it was only on there briefly but you you know it kind of has this throwback feel to it so yeah it fits the movie perfectly it goes well originality i would say uh napoleon dynamite is a very original film uh, even the way Napoleon dresses, you know, when he's dressed up going to the, the prom, he gets up, you know, he's kind of dressed in the 70s, early 80s suit and attire. And it's uh, on the poster as well. I think that's one of the opening, uh, the posters is he's dressed in that brown, like 70s, early 80s brown, you know, just like serious brown, white shirt. He's got those glasses. He's got the moon boots on. He's got his hair, you know, curled as it is. And this is the Napoleon Dynamite look that you get. And this is kind of what was introduced on the poster when people were going to the cinema back in 2004 to, to see it. Um, the originality, like I said, is a very original film. And it also opened up a, a wider audience to these quirky films. Uh, you know, Nacho Libre. You've got Juno. It's these little quirky characters who always existed. But they just had a few more little quirks sometimes, maybe even more than their own good. And that was inspired by a lot of the things that were in Napoleon Dynamite, which is one of the, um, you know, one of the most successful independent films as well. Uh, the poster, like I said, it's got Napoleon on it. It also have, let me go back here and look at it once again. I was looking as uh, talking. Uh, it's got uh, Deb's, Deb or Napoleon, I guess it's Napoleon's hand, kind of like the rest of it is drawn. You've got the, the picture of Deb that Napoleon drew, like the portrait, the horrible portrait that Napoleon drew. 
You've got the Liger. You've got uh, Kip with his, uh, I guess, his outfit on where he's, uh, you know, going to the dojo. And I think he has some, uh, I think he has a Psy in his hand as well. You've got Pedro with his drawn-on bike. And then you've got the Liger. So it's a very uh, illustrated and very, uh, you know, it's a quirky poster. And it fits the movie quite well. Would I recommend Napoleon Dynamite? Yes or no? Um, I would say if you've never seen Napoleon Dynamite, I would give it a try. You'll know within probably five minutes whether you're going to like Napoleon Dynamite. It's, a, it's got some good, uh, really good performances. Some very quirky performances and characters and dialogue. Some odd, oddball realism. And it's fun. And it's really a movie about friendship. Because Napoleon really, with all these skills that he has, all he truly wants is a friend. And he does get that friend in, in Pedro. And he they do get a friend within Deb as well. So it is a movie about friendship and being yourself because one thing about this film everyone in this movie excluding Uncle Rico are themselves Uncle Rico is always trying to be something that he is not trying to be a quarterback from 1982 trying to be a salesman and have the little badge to look official and that could be the key to why he's not happy because he has not accepted the here and now, which would have been 2004. And these other characters are just living in the moment, wanting to connect and be friends with someone else. So that's my little synopsis, the little show, real talk on Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I'm glad that I uh, had revisited Napoleon Dynamite. We haven't done a comedy. Maybe uh, Death Becomes Her might have been the last straight-out comedic movie we've we've uh, watched. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'm glad Napoleon uh, popped up on uh, Amazon the other day. Because I'm glad it was, a, it was a good one to go back and revisit. And I had a lot of people reach out and say, yeah, this was a good one. Thank you for, uh, for doing this. I look forward to it. So, thank you for tuning in. On this Friday night to Real Talk, as I said at the beginning of the show, if you want to check out any past shows, you can go to Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. There's a lot of different things on each one of those. Some of the similar, some are different. Please like and subscribe. And that's the other people's show, which will also be back in just a moment, so stay tuned.